This is Saturday Morning Mysteries. And we're your hosts, Alexis and Grace. Hello, good morning, and welcome to another episode of Saturday Morning Mysteries, where we're your hosts. I'm Grace. And I'm Alexis. And we are in our three-month-long holiday arc. Like how we both just did the... (laughs) We did an arc shape with our hands for yes. those watching on YouTube. Quick plug for our YouTube, Saturday Morning Mysteries. You can mm-hmm. see our faces. You can see images from from, from, from the shows. From the shows. Yeah, I feel like that would be like a thing. I feel like British people would say froms. They had S's on from's, a lot of... Froms the shows. From the shows. Yeah. Anyways, sorry for anyone who's English and listening to this and we just offended and they're turning it off Man. already. Please Man. stay. We won, we won the war. <laughs> like we like to say we won the war we can say whatever we want (laughs) but speaking of perhaps the british and let's just say british coming to america perhaps and yeah probably from other places in europe and and all that jazz before we won said war um you know what could we be talking about it's thanksgiving thanksgiving and that is our november arc so for those just joining usually we do different shows we do like eight episodes per show and those are our arcs but starting in october it's holiday season we got a lot of holidays going on so instead Mm -hmm. we choose any show we want as long as it has some way to tie in with the holiday of that month (laughs) it's a pretty loose the definition uh it so is. we just finished our halloween arc that one's a little easier we're now in our thanksgiving slash fall autumnal autumnal how do you say it? autumnal autumnal you said it right autumn, the first time damn it <laughs> our autumn <laughs> our autumn vibes yes season um and today alexis will be telling us a thanksgiving slash fall slash Whatever she ties it into Autumnal. November. T- thank you. That word. <laughs> that she's gonna do that, that with her thing. episode today. Yes. Whatever that thing is. Yeah. Um, let's take it away. Thank you. I shall. It's funny too, because I feel like it was last week when we were plugging that we were getting ready to start Thanksgiving. We were like, you know, maybe we'll shift it to just fall theme slash Thanksgiving because it's kind of hard to come across like explicitly Thanksgiving themed cartoons that also yeah I mean I guess you know there's like Charlie Brown and stuff like that and like there's other stuff but that's not that doesn't really fit into the Saturday morning mysteries (laughs) sort of vibe so yeah but nonetheless I do actually have a pretty Thanksgiving-y episode so okay I'm excited for this one today, and I'm throwing it back with a massive, massive classic. I'm talking one of the granddaddies of animated, like, Saturday morning slash just, like, animated shows. Our parents watched it growing up. It came out long before we were born. Oh, wait, am I going to know this show? I'm sure you've heard of it, but I don't know if you've ever watched it because Ooh. to be honest, I've hardly even ever watched it. Oh, okay. But I'm, fam- I'm very familiar with the main character uh, because he is a creation of Hanna-Barbera. Okay. In what was their second series 
ever created. Whoa. Wait, what was their first Second, series? That's fascinating. First series. Damn it. I almost wrote All it All right. Down, it's fine. It doesn't matter. Whatever. It's like riffraff something. I don't know. But this was the second show that Hanna-Barbera Productions ever made. Okay. And it is called The Huckleberry Hound Show. <gasps> is this a he is, he's a coon hound. Okay, okay, yeah, he's a yeah. <laughs> okay, a I, Huckleberry Hound show. I need to look up a picture of him real quick. This does Do bring it. a bell. Do it. I'm gonna describe him too in a little bit, but yes, look up a picture of him. <gasps> and, ah, okay, and, yes. And I was thinking of something he's else. Really known for his voice. Yeah, I, I think I know who you're talking about the Bastard Hound, who was like a detective. Yes, that would have also like, been good. That droopy. probably would have matched Droopy. Yeah, that would have matched our theme more because he's a detective but okay but no from the wikipedia page on animated this... cartoon thanksgiving shows i couldn't <laughs> see that on there. yeah yeah, yeah. that's fine so... this is like exploding my mind right now yes i yes. do know this dog yes and so if our parents are listening they're probably like what do y'all know about huckleberry how you doing oh, shit. Come on. yeah oh but let me tell you let me tell you, Wikipedia knows, so now I know quite a few things <laughs> and about now Huckleberry I'm about Hound. To know. <laughs> yes. So this episode is from season two, episode two of the Huckleberry Hound show. It is called Grim Pilgrim. So again, right on brand with our Thanksgiving themes. And get this, it aired on September 21st, 1959. To Wait, us, that seems like so long ago. I'm like not going to... 1959? 59. 1959. This is so dumb. My immediate reaction was like, they had colored cartoons. Huckleberry <laughs> 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 Hound's blue. How'd they do that? <laughs> How'd they make him color? I mean, it was only the second Hanna-Barbera series, so it's not... I mean, it was still pretty new, probably. Yeah. I mean, but... Well, okay. Uh, Snow White, though, the movie came out in like 1930-something. I mean, that's a good point. Yeah, that's why I was like, this is such a dumb response. (laughs) I just had to be honest with you guys. I was like, what? But Technicolor came around in like the 80s or something like that. So that was like the more vibrant coloring and everything. But yeah, yeah, they had, yeah, they had animation. But also, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) the depression. depression wow yeah they couldn't afford colored pencils back then um i'm not even sure though that snow white was the first animated fantasia might have come out this now we're going down tangent avenue but fantasia might have come out before and i think snow, snow white, white. Was like i the think first that was the Disney. first okay one you know of what? those two was the first someone's gonna tell we're us not probably here. exactly we're Someone here to talk about the comments Huckleberry Hound. Not that. Yeah, we're not here to talk about Disney today. We're talking about actually their direct competitor, <laughs> Hanna Barbera. Exactly. So, uh, so the Huckleberry Hound show. Yeah, the second series produced by Hanna Barbera Productions. The show itself first aired on September 29th, nineteen fifty-eight. So, getting ready to celebrate the anniversary of this show as oh, of um, our recording date of this episode. For real. And get this, I thought this was very funny to like put us in the mindset of how TV worked back then. The <laughs> Clearly, show I was... don't know. <laughs> All right. Okay, let me hear it. <laughs> the show was like straight up directly sponsored by Kellogg's, like the food <laughs> brand. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> and, and when I say sponsored by Kellogg's, I mean like 
Kellogg's put this shit on the air because Joseph Barbera himself, the one half of Hanna Barbera, uh-huh. he literally like went traveled to Chicago, where I guess at the time Kellogg's offices were, or, like uh-huh. they were headquarters, to pitch this program to Kellogg's executives through their ad agency. <laughs> so I imagine that literally every single ad break had like Kellogg's commercials going, well, and that there was like a bunch of like product placement. And that's what I was gonna say. Like, like, did you notice hound toys and shit? I was say, did yeah. you notice like while watching the show, are they eating a lot of cereal? by like pure happenstance so so to be fair I only watched like two or three episodes and this one in particular isn't like a good example because it's like a pilgrim episode (laughs) yeah but now it really does make me want to go back and watch but so where I watched it it's like from the internet archive which I think we used before for like the amazing Chan uh-huh. so they only have the clips of the episodes I or, and I'll explain the way the show works even more in a bit but like they only have the clips of Huckleberry segments of the show so it's not like you see the entire program yeah. with like the ads in between but I would love to find some like YouTube footage yes, or some like, archive footage of like what the full like 30 minute block looks yes, like because what that experience was I imagine or to like look up um like Kellogg cereal boxes and shit from like, back in the day yeah, I guarantee you they were just laden with, exactly with all that stuff probably just had Huckleberry Hound and as I'll get oh, to yeah. in a moment some other very famous cartoon characters um Ooh. just all over them uh-huh. so yes the series totally sponsored by uh, by Kellogg. <laughs> and additionally, just to add to Kellogg's like ownership of this show, the first time that the series appeared on television, like I said, September 29th, 1958, it was aired at 6 p.m. on a local station in Grand Rapids, Michigan, which also served the town of Battle Creek, Michigan. Yep. The home of Kellogg's theory. <laughs> yeah, Kellogg's like, we're bringing this shit home. Yeah, exactly. We want our kids to see how much yeah. money we're making off of this product. Yeah, we're going to have our employees. It's a circular system. Get, yeah. We're going to pay them and they're going to give us the money back. Exactly. By buying our own products. That's like how they juice their, uh, I don't know if they had Nielsen ratings back then, but it's like how you can tell how many people are watching a program to see if it's marketable for like ad revenue. It's like they force their employees to watch watch it it. so that the numbers go up. That's like when you like clock in in the morning, you have to like say what happened in last night's episode. (laughs) Huckleberry how? (laughs) Did your kids watch? Or they're actually probably like asking the kids because I'm sure they were children working there because child oh, labor <laughs> exactly exactly Which, uh, well that's a whole other story but <laughs> anyway so the format of the show is pretty interesting so over the whole like 21 minute block because you got to leave nine minutes for commercials mm-hmm. obviously there were three seven minute cartoons oh. spread out throughout the program okay so the first one was always huckleberry hound um, who kind of like got the show going and he was kind of like the ringleader of the entire show, almost like the MC of the show with it being uh-huh. the Huckleberry Hound show. The second, actually, let me hold off on that. The okay. third okay. segment was usually uh, one by the name of Pixie and Dixie and Mr. Jinx, 
which okay. sounds adorable. And I <laughs> definitely want to watch that too. But it starred two mice, I think Pixie and Dixie, oh who in each short were like finding a new way mm-hmm. to outwit the cat, Mr. Jinx. So honestly, like precursor to Tom and Jerry. It sounds like that. although actually. I don't know what year Tom and Jerry came out, so, so I yep. can't say we that. We don't know but... any years. We don't know what's happening. <laughs> but to me, it literally sounds like yes. Tom and Jerry, just with two mice instead of one. In the second segment, going back here, of the Huckleberry Hound Show, introduced none other than Yogi Bear and his sidekick, Boo Boo. Yes, these guys I was gonna say, right speaking here. of on YouTube, yes. it's on Alexis's yes. wall. Another plug to watch YouTube. I got a Hanna Barbera <laughs> signed picture of of uh, Yogi Bear and Boo Boo right behind me. Wait, so, yes, the Huckleberry Hound Show introduced Yogi Bear and Boo Boo to TV. Like this is where Hanna Barbera first oh. started creating Yogi Bear segments, and then it like eventually turned into its own show. Exactly, it Whoa. was like oddly and awkwardly enough for Huckleberry, the Yogi Bear segment was like the most popular one. And so (laughs) as a result, when Huckleberry Hound ended in like 1961, Hanna-Barbera just did a spinoff and did the Yogi Bear show in 1961. Yeah. Yeah. I did not know that all this time. Well, so first off, I didn't even... I didn't even really know that the Huckleberry Hound show was like a three part, like a three segment thing. I just kind of thought that he was a random character that popped up in different Hanna-Barbera shows. But I especially did not know that that's how Yogi Bear started, which I mean, other than like Scooby-Doo and a couple of uh, and like Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, etc. Like I'd like to say Yogi Bear is probably one of the most recognizable cartoon characters like ever so it's really cool to see that yeah like that's all you have to say and everyone automatically knows yogi bear yeah wow that is fascinating yeah yeah interesting history here um we're seeing it all come together (laughs) (laughs) it's all coming together it's coming together so, but anyway, about the star of our show today, and of course, of the Huckleberry Hound show, Huckleberry is, as you just looked up his picture, he's a blue anthropomorphic coon hound that speaks with a Tennessee Southern draw, and he's usually wearing like this small yellow top hat that has like a red band around it with polka dots on it, and in his show, or in his shorts on the show, most of them consist of him, we'll just, we'll call him Huck, kind of affectionately, trying to perform jobs in different fields, ranging from policeman to ironically dog catcher, all sorts of odd jobs, and almost always with results that backfire in these Mm. odd jobs. But in the end, Huck usually comes out on top, either through slow persistence or just sheer luck and happenstance. Um, another fun fact, or like what I thought is interesting and kind of funny, especially the way that the Wikipedia page phrases this, Huck doesn't seem to exist in a specific time period. <laughs> <laughs> time traveling. Like time traveler, yeah. <laughs> because in some episodes, apparently, he like portrays a Roman gladiator. In others, he's a medieval knight. Sometimes he's a rocket scientist. Today, we're going to see him as a pilgrim. So, yeah, he's literally a time traveling coon hound. That's probably <laughs> why Southern draw. It didn't get like a fifth season. They were like, people were society so wasn't ready. No. They were like, Yogi Bear's in the forest. 
Done. <laughs> Done. It's easy. It's simple. The kids get it. Yeah. Their parents get it. We don't it have doesn't to, confuse them. We don't have to talk about the cop. We haven't even landed on the moon yet. And this dog is time traveling. <laughs> this dog's on Mars. How? <laughs> Too much for our brains. Yeah. In 1959. It is blue. Why is he blue? <laughs> and wearing a top hat. It is it was it's beyond its time. <laughs> oh god <laughs> and so the last kind of um or at least like one of the last things i'll say is that it's funny because it it pops up in this episode and i think honestly in like every episode of his show one of huck's trademarks is that he does according to wikipedia a tone deaf and an accurate rendition of oh my darling clementine <laughs> which is a running gag so it's a song you know like oh my yeah. darling oh my oh, darling, darling that oh, one darling. yeah so oh, he's darling. always just kind of like humming that song or like whistling it or singing it but every time the lyrics are different like he just says random shit that. in that tone it's hilarious like he does it in this episode too which is funny because this song came out in like the late 1800s but this episode takes place in like the 1600s so again well, he's a time traveler yeah it was a, to him he could be singing like david bowie for all we know he's been to the eight, the 70s and the 80s came back a little bit it like terrifies the like knights and like the Heard other like witch. roman gladiators yeah. <laughs> who is this diggy stardust burn <laughs> burn them who is this diggy stardust why is he on Mars makeup like super inspired but he's blue so he has to do the red and white part of the makeup yeah Uh, yeah. and so then I guess as the last and perhaps somewhat most obvious like fun fact about this character Huckleberry his name is of course and indeed a reference to the American novel, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, yep. written by Mark Twain. So I just thought that was a fun fact to throw Which, in there. For all we know, Mark Twain was inspired by Huckleberry <laughs> when he time-traveled <laughs> back to Mark to visit Mark Twain. <laughs> he was like, hear me out for a book idea. Huck. <laughs> hear me out for a book idea. <laughs> He's got, he has like, in my opinion, one of the most recognizable cartoon voices too. Mm. Like, even though I haven't watched that many episodes of Huckleberry Hound, as soon as I watched this one, I was like, oh my God, I know that voice so Ooh, much. Okay. Not like the voice actor, but just like this that Southern voice. Tennessee draw, like he talks like this all the time mm. and drags his, his words <laughs> out. And apparently this is now an aside, but the, the guy who voiced him, whose name I'm forgetting, but he was inspired by his wife's, this is weird too, his wife's neighbor's accent. His wife lived in like North Carolina or something like that. Uh-huh. And he would go to visit his wife. I don't know how marriages worked back then, but he would go to visit his wife and her family in North Carolina, and he would talk with her neighbor, and he had this, like, southern drawl and talked like this all the time, and so that's what he used, like, as an inspiration for Huckleberry, and I guess if our parents are listening or aunts and uncles, anything like that, you may be familiar with him, but also apparently his voice is very similar to Andy Griffith and the Andy Griffith show too. Something like that, which was also inspired, I think, by either like a Tennessee or like North Carolina kind of like hillbilly Southern voice. So 
anyway i love the idea that we're just like (laughs) the only people who could be watching in that age group are aunts uncles and parents like no one else over 50 has discovered our show unless they're related to us related to us i like to think otherwise but yeah (laughs) we always pose that way of like not like oh so if you were born in this time area we're like only these people related to us who are our elders will know my bad anyone watching or listening who is over 55 years old yeah you may be familiar (laughs) with andy griffith and or huckleberry hound my bad not just our aunts (laughs) uncles and parents so okay that's enough about the background of this show how amazing it is how historic it is for cartoon history Let's talk about this episode. Again, it's called Grim Pilgrim. So, and actually, okay, one last thing I will say. Grace in the past has already done a great recap of like the Mayflower and Plymouth Rock and all of that. So I suggest go back and listen to that episode from, I think, our last Thanksgiving arc where she talked about all of that because I'm not going to get into the history of everything today. We've already gotten to cartoon history. Exactly. That's what I was more focused on today. The cartoon history, not the actual real world history. (laughs) Although Huckleberry's a time traveler, as far as I know. He is there. He could have been there. Yeah, we don't know. So the episode, though, it takes place in, of course, Plymouth, Massachusetts. And all we see are just a bunch of rolling hills here covered in snow. The trees are barren. And as the narrator for the episode explains, life for the early pilgrims is indeed very grim, where each day is a constant struggle for survival and a constant struggle against Mother Nature. Also, and so just in like, the, <laughs> parents just came back from war 10 years ago. <laughs> and then it's like, like every day is a this. struggle. And you're like having their like newborn like their children watch it like damn Hanna-Barbera that like I just put it lightly what the narrator is saying he's like alluding to like starvation like how terrible and hard it is for like life out here but like like, damn like dude this is a children's show (laughs) ease back ease back a little bit grim Mm -hmm. They were, and you'll see even more so uh, in a bit about how just wild TV was back then, the things (laughs) that they could put in cartoons. Oh, God. So in the middle of this barren, hilly town of nothingness rests a single log cabin, totally snowed in and isolated. But living inside of this isolated log cabin is... Alden Huckleberry, as the narrator calls him, aka <laughs> Huckleberry Hounds, Pilgrim, Alter Ego, Time Traveling Pilgrim. Oh, okay. Give so, Wishbone vibes. It's all Wishbone. I wish that was a cartoon so we could talk about that it's show. Show of all time. Uh, so Anyways. good. Anyways, so Huckleberry in like yeah total Wishbone fashion. <laughs> He's donning like the classic stereotypical Pilgrim fit. You know, like what you think of the brown like suit with the buckle Uh and like the hat with the buckle on it and everything. And he's carrying a musket. He bravely exits his cabin in search of a feast to enjoy on this cold, snowy, brutal day in Plymouth. And always up for a challenge and ever the positive thinker, Alden or Huckleberry, 
joyfully treads through the snow while humming, of course, Mm -hmm. Oh, My Darling Clementine, which I mentioned earlier, did not come out until the late 1800s. (laughs) So if there were any other people like around listening to him, they're like, what is this witchcraft? What is this devilry? What is this music? This devil devil music? (laughs) Burn him! (laughs) For warmth in this grim winter. Yes. How dare he bless our ears with such beautiful noise. Burn him at the We're stake. miserable. Yes. So Alden Huckleberry makes his way towards the forest in search of game, in particular, the wild turkey. And as he approaches the wooded area, he becomes more vigilant using his self-described stellar pilgrim skills to search high and low for these vicious cunning evil birds evil fowl which like we're gonna shit on turkeys a lot today we've (laughs) done it in the past i know we're gonna keep that going today because these motherfuckers are evil okay (laughs) they're like right up there with geese in terms of like birds that i do not like to be around (laughs) which is so funny my neighborhood is overrun with turkeys yeah, aren't they like they're like mobs of them, right? They're like yeah, gangs. They literally the gangs of New York, but turkeys <laughs> is my neighborhood. <laughs> We've got the Irish turkey. <laughs> you've got the you've got the American Irish turkeys. You've got the Irish immigrant turkeys. They all the come Italian up the turkeys. <laughs> yeah. It's looking wild over here. And then they want to boycott the war and the draft. It's just the whole thing. It's the one with a switchblade yesterday. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Holy shit. And <laughs> after, as he's walking towards the woods, and after thinking out loud about his love of turkey, particularly turkey meat for mm, eating, okay. the only acceptable way to be around turkey. <laughs> And how he's talking out loud and thinking to himself about the wonderful feast that the bird will provide. Huckleberry looks down and notices a clear line of turkey tracks leading deeper into the woods. Okay, like little turkey footprints or like claw prints, whatever the fuck they have. So Huckleberry, he buckles down, he gets serious, he like holds his musket at the ready, and he starts to follow the trail of the turkey with his God-given radar for bird tracking. But he's almost a little too in tune with this tracking radar that he has. Mm. And he spends too much time looking down and like straight ahead rather than kind of like looking around him because he ends up walking right by a turkey that's standing right off the main trail and just kind of like staring right at him, (laughs) right at Huckleberry as he's like power walking by. I will also say another trademark of Huckleberry Hound is that he's not the sharpest tool in the shed. Mm, okay, clearly. <laughs> clearly. Yes. Like I said before, he usually only achieves his goals in each episode by like sheer luck. Okay. It, yes. it's, it's not because he's some like smart guy who always knows how to like win out in the Sherlock end. It's, Holmes it's, it. it's happenstance. Exactly. Okay. Not not at all. Sherlock Holmes. Definitely not the sharpest tool in the shed. Yep. So this turkey, though, he sees Huckleberry, like, power walking by with his musket. And the turkey's, like, curious. Like, the fuck is this dog pilgrim doing <laughs> with a musket walking by? <laughs> so the turkey begins to just follow Huckleberry, closely staying right on his trail. And Huckleberry, though, even though he's, like, so into this, like, hunting, 
he can sense that a turkey is nearby, but he just can't put his finger on where it may okay. be. So he begins to let out what he calls his turkey call, aka he just starts like making a very loud and rapid like gobbling sound okay. <laughs> in order to draw out the nearest bird. And as no surprise to us, we then hear a gobble response right behind him because the turkey is still right on Huckleberry's tail. So Huckleberry hears this and he like quickly turns around and excitedly he sees this evil nefarious turkey that's just been stalking him for who knows how many yards (laughs) through the snow. And so Huckleberry, he pulls his musket up and he aims it directly in the face of the turkey. And very kindly, I guess it's the what, what were pilgrims? Were they Puritans? I forget. <laughs> or something like that. I think, I think so, it's, yeah. It's whatever in him <laughs> that then asks the turkey if he has any last requests before it meets its maker. Oh, okay. But being a turkey, the bird simply just like shakes his head and is like, no. Um, what? It doesn't even speak. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what? Gobble, gobble. Just, and it just stands there literally looking straight into the barrel of this musket that huckleberry is pointing right at its face Mm -hmm. but huckleberry he has a really large heart and a very small brain and in the season and spirit of giving and giving thanks he offers the turkey a number of things before killing it because he's like oh come on you gotta like want something before i kill you like anything and this is where I was like, damn, cartoons were crazy back then. Because the first thing he offers him, he's like, cigarettes? <laughs> <laughs> Not only sponsored by Kellogg's, sponsor, sponsored, sponsored by, by Marlboro. <laughs> yeah. Philip Morris. Oh, my God. He literally pulls out a whole pack of cigarettes with like one of them sticking out. So you can like, you see the whole label and everything. To be fair, it's not actually like Philip Morris or anything. It's but some still like generic, whatever. But like it's it says cigarette. like mild <laughs> cigarettes, stop. all of that on it. He's just holding it straight up to the camera. Like here, take a cigarette. Cut yeah. to someone in like Battle Creek, Michigan being like, hey kid, by the way, hand me a cigarette while you watch this show. <laughs> and the small child's like, here you go, mom. Here you go, dad. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. I actually almost wonder, well, maybe that's a research project for another day, but if Kellogg's was make- like, yeah, or like what ownership stake they had in like Philip Morris or whatever oh, back my then. God. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. So yes, Huckleberry offers him a cigarette, which I just think is fucking hilarious. That would never happen in a in a cartoon. Today, today. literally, if you start like a Netflix episode, like it will say like give the warnings at the top mm-hmm. and then it will say tobacco. Yeah, like this depicts smoking. Like shit gets rated like PG just for yes, the, like for a cigarette tobacco. being in it, which is insane also if you ask me, but like whatever. But like I, I guess it. compared I guess. to this time period, this is why it no longer happens of kids shows being like you want a cigarette before you die (laughs) exactly kid and also yeah thinking like as a kid realizing yeah when you die like you ask for a cigarette it's not even just like showing kids cigarettes it's like implanting it in their mind like oh i just i just need a cigarette before the stressful thing happens exactly (laughs) damn some integrated marketing it is it is 
So yes, he offers him cigarettes. And then after that, he offers the turkey a blindfold. And then dark. after that, after it is dark, stark. <laughs> and after the turkey turns both of those things, Huckle turns both of those things down. I'm sorry. Huckleberry is like, well, anything there, you want at least one last chance to make your peace. Anything. <laughs> Cigarettes and a blindfold. Yeah. Nice. But this frustrates Alden Huckleberry that the turkey doesn't want any of this stuff because, like I said, his Puritan heart, he's just, he feels like it's difficult to kill something without, you know, giving it mercy or at least like mm. putting it at ease or at peace first. Okay. And because all this time that he is offering this stuff to the turkey and pointing his gun in its face, he's looking directly into the turkey's deep brown eyes. And he's like, man, I can't kill you if you're just staring at me with those deep eyes. How am I supposed to do this? So he makes one last plea for the turkey to at least put on the blindfold. And he shows him even. Huckleberry puts the blindfold on himself. Like, see, you just put it on like this and then you can't see anything at all. It'll make it so much easier. Which again, dark. Dark. <laughs> so dark. dark. <laughs> and also like the psychological like look i can't look into your eyes while i murder you so put a blindfold on so i don't have to look exactly. into your eyes this is for I'm me pretty, not for it's you like, it's like textbook sociopathy <laughs> yeah you need to dehumanize you so i can kill you yeah damn huck damn huckleberry man <laughs> huck is savage Alden <laughs> huckleberry but while Huckleberry is blinded, while he's demonstrating how the blindfold method oh, no. works to the turkey, this evil mofo of a turkey, he sneaks the musket out of Huckleberry's hand oh. and shoots him directly in the face. I thought you were just going to be like, the turkey walked away. Oh. This turkey has been playing dumb with Huckleberry. He's like, oh, I'm just a turkey. I don't know anything about this stuff. Give me that musket. How do you think this turkey survives through winter thus far? It's killed before. It'll kill again. (laughs) Huckleberry is not his first rodeo. This is not the first time, clearly, this this turkey has used a musket. It knew immediately how this shit works. Muskets got to prepare that shit. Like our modern guns. This is a process, not turkey. Yeah. Oh my god. So the turkey shoots him right in the face and then just turns around and fucking books it out of there, gobbling all loudly and running and hopping away. Oh my god. And Huckleberry, he pretty much just like slaps himself in the forehead, like, God damn it, how did I fall for that? Like he knows how vicious, evil, and cunning these (laughs) birds always have been and always will be. (laughs) Always. There is one constant in life. Turkeys are freaking evil. Survival of the fittest. Yes. Yes. So he like clears all of the gunpowder off of his face and he runs off after the turkey who, so by the way, it's not like the turkey ran away with the musket. The turkey <laughs> just kind of like shot dropped him, it. dropped the musket and then ran off. Yeah, so the turkey's like, I don't have is... more bullets. This will be useless yeah, for me. Exactly. Huckleberry's got all the ammo in his little satchel or some shit. Yeah. I don't know. So Huckleberry picks back up his musket and he takes off after the turkey, chasing it along all these, these snowy hills and through the woods. But for whatever reason, he's still hesitating to shoot it. I guess he probably can't get a good, get good aim on it. Cause this thing is like jumping around 
you know and he just got shot in the face so like, he, he also probably has no eyesight for the moment <laughs> yeah. so or He's maybe struggling. ever again yes so the turkey it finally creates some distance between him and huckleberry outrunning him and it takes shelter near a rock not Plymouth Rock, though, unfortunately. <laughs> At least I don't think so. Rock. They don't look like they're by the water. <laughs> and this turkey begins gobbling away, almost as if he's, like, baiting Huckleberry to continue to chase after him. Like, this thing is friggin' evil, Grace. I'm like, wow, okay. I thought the pilgrims were bad. No, no, no. If they had to deal with turkeys like this, <laughs> I'm going to give them a little bit of sympathy here. <laughs> I have some turkey wild speculation at the end of this okay good and there's there some there's some twists here a big twist is about to come Ooh, up so, okay but we'll see keep hold, put a pin in that i do want to okay. hear it so after the turkey gobbles though trying to bait huckleberry towards him the turkey is surprised to hear yet another turkey call coming from behind him from behind the turkey okay this one is in a bit of a deeper tone whereas huckleberries is like gobble 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 this one that he hears is gobble, gobble, gobble. <laughs> and so the turkey turns around and sees a Native American oh. with like a full like war headdress, <laughs> war bonnet on with like feathers and stuff. Uh-huh. Perhaps this is a Patuxent Wampanoag, as you talked about in last year's. Exactly. <clears throat> Everyone go back and listen to Grace's recap of Pilgrim history and Plymouth Rock history. She covered that last year. I'm not going to cover it today. But anyway, we see this Native American crouch down behind the rock, also trying to hunt this turkey now. Oh, okay. And so the turkey sees this dude and he's like, oh shit. He's starting to get worried because he also hears the gobbling calls of Huckleberry getting closer. So the turkey is like, oh shit, I am literally between a rock and a hard place. (laughs) I now have two skilled hunters on my tail. Skilled. Uh, a one, skilled hunter one, and Huckleberry. One skilled hunter and Huckleberry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but ever the cunning and devious creature. <laughs> I'm just going to keep shitting on turkeys. <laughs> I bet turkeys are fucking watching my window right now hearing this shit. You're making my life dangerous. Have fun. I, okay. You're putting me in danger I, with this content. I've never, I don't think I've mentioned this. You probably have more than I do, which is why I didn't even think to mention it. But I have turkeys here by my place too. What? Which is, yes. Okay, that's scary Because I live like very close to the city and yes. like in a very developed area. Yeah, it makes Austin, sense for me. My, Austin, my brother, was in town one time and he and I were like walking along the paths in my building. And thank God it's fenced off from like the wooded area behind me because he looked over while we were walking once and he was like, There's a fucking turkey. And I was like, What? And I looked over. Survival of the fittest. Those turkeys know how to use guns. Yes. Dude, if they knew how to climb fences, we would be done. Dude, they fucking do. They get on the roofs out here. Oh, shit. Yeah, I've seen them jump off of the roofs in my neighborhood. Turkeys can do wild shit. They, like, glide. (laughs) Yeah. Watch out. Good thing you're moving, Sue. Yeah, I know. God. Yeah, because I that was literally, like, the only time that I saw them. But we saw, like, three or four of them all just kind of, like, plucking along back there. And I'm trying to think. I don't even remember what time of year that was. I feel like he visited in, like, the late summer maybe so i was like what the fuck are you guys doing this, here these turkeys are a direct ancestor of the plymouth <laughs> rock turkeys oh my god they've they killed they will kill again <laughs> get the fuck out while you can <laughs>
<laughs> anyway, so yes, uh, the turkey, though, in this case, it realizes that, yes, it's got two hunters, a hunter and Huckleberry on its tail, <laughs> but it realizes that it now has the power to turn these opposing hunters against one another, Ooh. and it crafts a plan to get away scot-free. So, okay. rather than responding to Huckleberry's turkey call, the turkey, he allows Huckleberry and this Native American uh, to just start gobbling turkey calling at each other. And so great. they're each like hearing each other's very convincing and authentic calls. And it leads each of them to believe that the other is a real turkey. Mm. So... The turkey is like, okay, cool. Like my job here is done. So he takes shelter, hides behind this rock while Huckleberry and the Native American, they just keep gobbling back and forth at each other, Mm -hmm. knowing that it's only a matter of time before one of them shoots or like throws a tomahawk at the other. (laughs) This turkey's just eating popcorn. (laughs) Literally like sipping its tea. (laughs) This is great. Front row seat. My feathers are clean. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) not a care in the world and just as the turkey suspects it's not long before huckleberry fires his musket in the direction of the native americans turkey sounds convinced that huckleberry has just scored himself a hearty meal for the next few days but unfortunately rather than shooting what he thinks obviously is the turkey the pilgrim huckleberry shoots directly at the head of the Native American. Oh no, okay. Thankfully not killing him. Okay. But blowing his feathered headdress right off of his head. So okay. like an inch shy, oh, a centimeter him. shy of yeah. killing him. Ladies and gentlemen, this means war. <laughs> this turkey has just instigated a massive pilgrim <gasps> slash Native American conflict. Again, the turkey. <laughs> Sipping his tea. this is like actually the history of like the founding of america like (laughs) no no no. for the most part the natives in the in the pilgrims got along fine but for whatever reason one of them just shot at a a pilgrim shot at a native american one day because a turkey puts it is benjamin franklin want to make our national bird is turkey like i'm so glad he lost i love (laughs) someone thomas jefferson i don't know who the fuck wanted to do it but like that was almost our national bird was a turkey. Uh, this is why they knew they I'm, knew the truth. I respect Benjamin Franklin too much to believe that he did that. So we're going to say it was Thomas Jefferson because I can't stand him. But Ben Franklin, please no. Yeah, it was like it was <laughs> George Washington. I don't know. It might have been. It might have been. Either way, someone knew the truth, and we're revealing yes. it right here, right now. Although. The eagle is not much better than the turkey. Perhaps it's more magnificent and like majestic looking. But those motherfuckers are mean too. So I don't know. Just like America. We this such a beautiful, majestic, magnificent place. But goddamn, they they are are some mean motherfuckers. (laughs) (laughs) Facts. True. True. They chose wisely with that one. So anyway, right after being shot damn near in the head, the Native American, he stands up from behind the rock 
And Huckleberry sees what he's done. And he's like, oh, shit. He immediately realizes the errors of his ways and knows that this is absolutely 100% about to cause some conflict between the (laughs) two, Uh as it should. You just shot me pretty much in the head. Yep. Um, Point blank. Parks and Rec reference, too. That just made me think of the episode where they go turkey hunting in Parks and Rec (laughs) and Ron gets shot in the head. And Leslie has to, is like nursing him in his cabin. Oh yeah, because it's also the hunting trip. He didn't want any of them on. Exactly. He didn't want any of the women there in the first place. And then they came and then he gets shot in the head. Not by a woman though, I Correct. would say. Leslie was actually a fantastic hunter, if I recall. <laughs> anyway, for those... He's yeah. just so mad. We've been, Grace and I have been talking about Parks and Rec all morning, pretty much before we hit record, yep. so... All roads lead to Parks and Rec. All roads All lead roads. to Pawnee. <laughs> Thank God. So anyway, the Native American, it run, he runs towards Huckleberry at full speed, pulling out a tomahawk and chanting his war cry, a.k.a. signaling for backup in some Great. ways, and also letting Huckleberry know that like, yeah, dude, you're about Go to down. die. I'm about to kill you. Cool. But rather than running away or surrendering, Huckleberry, he's like, all right, well, I, I guess I better get my musket filled up. Like okay. he starts leaning into the fighting spirit. So he's reloading his musket. Like you mentioned before, it's a whole fucking process. He's pouring yeah. in the gunpowder and tampering it and putting the musket balls or the bullets in, whatever. All this just as a Native American is running closer and closer and closer to him. And like extremely savagely, Huckleberry waits for the Native American Native American to literally get like inches in front of him before he just point blank fires the musket directly in his face what the fuck 1959 (laughs) (laughs) and he does not for him a cigarette beforehand oh no so yeah the first example of stand your ground laws in america (laughs) this is where it was founded who knew massachusetts i thought that was a more liberal state i guess not what the fuck insane but thankfully huckleberry not the best hunter not the sharpest tool in the shed he must have skipped a step or done something wrong when he was reloading his gun because all we hear is a loud bang and yes an explosion from the gunpowder does go off but for whatever reason, the musket ball is very slow to roll out the barrel and just okay. like simply plops out of the musket. Okay. But unfortunately, it lands right on the Native American's foot, this big ass heavy oh, no. musket ball, which of course sends the Native American into like screaming and shouting and holding and grabbing his foot yep. and pisses him off even more. Correct. But since he currently cannot move or run, it does give Huckleberry a chance to get the fuck out of there and find some safety. Okay. So like I, you know, like you mentioned before, like I was kind of saying before, the turkey, he's totally just enjoying this like pilgrim slash like Patuxet conflict that he's Uh just instigated. He's just like (laughs) smiling, looking back and forth like, oh, fuck it. This is awesome. He's like, I'm going to France Ferdinand this shit. Start a world (laughs) war here. (laughs) 
Yes. So he comes out from behind that rock that he was hiding behind. And he, now that he sees Huckleberry take off, he starts chasing after Huckleberry. Like, yeah, let me just like still like, I don't know. I'll make a thing where people are following him. Yes. And he's just gobbling loudly as he's running through the snow behind the pilgrim. So Huckleberry, though, he hears this gobbling again. He's like, oh, yeah, shit, I can still get my turkey. I might as well shoot it. And so he, like, again, prepares his musket, still dead set on completing a successful hunt before this Native American can catch back up with him. And at this point, like we said, the turkey, he's totally fucking with Huckleberry, (laughs) as if he wasn't before. Now he is even more so. He quickly climbs up a tree and rests on this high up branch. And so Huckleberry, he's loading up his musket with more musket balls, like these heavy ass bullets. And he just points it directly, like straight up towards the turkey in this tree and starts firing away. But just after he fires, the Native American man catches up with him and points a bow and arrow right into Huckleberry's face, ready to attack. But again, gravity saves Huckleberry's life and each and every one of the musket balls, of which there were about a dozen that he loaded in there, uh-huh. misses the turkey and one by one drops Six. back down right onto the Native American's head. It's like... Even more enraged now, <laughs> Correct. the Native American whips back out his tomahawk, swings it at Huckleberry, barely missing him as he ducks and makes a run for it this shit is violent like they are just one after another attacking each other (laughs) but since the native american man misses huckleberry he instead actually strikes the tree that huckleberry was standing in front of and this dude must be strong because one hit with the tomahawk and this shit instantly causes the tree to just like start to keel over bam okay and the turkey is still in it He's still oh. just like chilling. Yeah. So the turkey's like watching this going on. But he's like, oh shit, no, I'm going down. I'm yeah, going no, down. don't bring me into this. Motherfucker, <laughs> uh. <laughs> you started this. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, don't bring me into this. Uh. What? What? It is a bystander. In, cl- in the classic American fashion. <laughs> A tale as old as time. How many wars have this, does this sound like? Whoa, Damn, whoa. 1959 I, is getting a lot of. I didn't start anything. Don't. How dare you whoa. make us fun this? What? 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 Pilgrim oh. never even heard of it. <laughs> wow! Wow! Hanna Barbera, edgy, edgy, super edgy. edgy as Ama- amazing that they remained as popular as they did for so <laughs> for long. So long. So the tree comes down, the turkey is now trapped under the branches and the bark of the tree, and he is now totally up for grabs by either party. And of course, seeing that the turkey is there, trapped, unable to run away, both Huckleberry and the Native American like grab hold of it. They're like literally grabbing its neck, like <laughs> like strangling this thing. Oh the God. turkey's just like, oh shit. It was a good ride. The <laughs> turkey had a good ins. ride. <laughs> exactly. Karma is a beautiful thing. <laughs> so seeing that the turkey is the true villain in all of this, Huckleberry tells the chief, like, now hold on a second, chief. Can't we just settle our differences over the table? 
the dinner table. Aww. And then they both like they look at each other, they kind of nod affirmatively, and then they look at the turkey with the anger and the hunger of a hard day's hunt. And I suppose that this is implying that this is the real story of how the first Thanksgiving went down. And just like also like the this bonding is... while they still strangle together, just like I know. Yeah, this looking will be settled. At, looking in each other's eyes as they're strangling yeah, this like turkey. Trauma bonding, but like murder bonding. Murder bonding. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful <laughs> thing. Beautiful thing. And so seeing that these two opposing sides are now on the same page, the turkey looks panicked, increasingly like panicked and afraid. Also, that it's being (laughs) being strangled to death, but it realizes that its goose is cooked. See Mm -hmm. how I put in those two evil birds into one? (laughs) That you would like to kill both of. Yes. (laughs) But yet another plot twist to round out this episode. In the next scene, we do see Huckleberry sharpening his carving knife, telling the chief that there's nothing that can't be resolved if you just sit at the table and talk turkey. And the camera zooms out. And we then see Huckleberry joined at the table by the chief and the fucking evil ass turkey. <laughs> still alive. That turkey did some to... quick fucking goblin right there. <laughs> I need to know. I need to know what the turkey did in its last minute there before they were like, wait, let's kill it to convince him. Like, well, guys hold on i got a good idea again a metaphor for america yes like wait how are you guys not the ones in the middle of this at the end (laughs) yeah how did this happen because (laughs) yes huckleberry is not preparing to carve up the turkey instead he's preparing to cut up this like giant random sausage it's just like a giant hot dog essentially that's in the middle of this table and so the three of them sit for what we can only assume is the first Thanksgiving feast in America. Wow. And they just laugh and gobble at each other while they're enjoying their meal, giving thanks for the camaraderie they've built and putting all of the violence from earlier in the day behind them. Wow. The end. Wow. What a fucking plot twist. Multiple. Yes. Holy hell. Insane. Insane. I need to hear your turkey speculation, though, that you had. If I don't even care if the plot twist changed at all. Okay, hold on. I, I need, need to hear to spend eight, like, point eight seconds looking it up really quick. Okay. Um, While you do that, though, I will just say, yeah, uh, this episode was pretty short because, like I mentioned before, all these episodes are only seven minutes long. So. There's only, you know, so much you can do with it, but... (laughs) But that was amazing because it had so many. Yeah, there's a lot going on. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So basically, here's my wild turkey, um, uh, uh, wild speculation about the turkeys. Yeah. Are you familiar with the Lost Colony of Roanoke? (laughs) Have you ever heard of this? Yeah, with like witches and well okay well never mind go ahead basically like the long and short is like yeah like 400 years ago it was like something like 120 ish uh pilgrims or like Mm -hmm. i don't know if they're technically pilgrims or not who knows basically they like yeah made a settlement on roanoke island um in the u.s and then just like 
disappeared out of nowhere. Like yeah, the only things that were left was like, I think like some marking, like mysterious, um, like symbols carved into a tree, which is like thus given like speculation of like witches in reality, yeah. it was like most likely like, um, disease or famine, famine Native Americans yeah, or like fucking Spaniards cold. Yeah. or something like that came in and killed them. But it's yeah. like so spooky because there's like no trace of them at all. Yeah, which is terrifying. Turkeys. <laughs> <laughs> it was the turkeys. <laughs> Who fucking did it? They, they clawed into the tree the mystery symbols to make it seem like, like it was their <laughs> talents to make it seem like witchcrafty and shit. That like, was yeah, the turkeys for Thanksgiving. It on the witches. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, they were oh, like, motherfuckers want to eat us, we'll eat you. Yeah, because you know that this turkey at this episode's Thanksgiving was sitting there the whole time, like, <laughs> this is a really good time, right? Right? Like, right? counting down the seconds before they could get the fuck out of that dinner where they yeah. could have been dinner at any second. Like, this is a tense dinner, I bet. Like, they <laughs> oh, are yeah. not as friendly as we may they're not think. really friends no, yeah no, they're no. just like they all have a weapon <laughs> like right underneath the table waiting yeah and they're all just starving and need something they're yeah. like i don't want to die from starvation so we have yes, one I'll hot pretend. dog yeah i'm fucking hungry still <laughs> and so that turkey made it through that dinner booked it out of there and then told all his turkey friends what went down and they were like we gotta we gotta stop it. This was the Turkey Revolutionary War. Yeah. What happened on Roanoke Island? <laughs> Slaughtered those settlers. The damn turkeys. <laughs> so that's my wild speculation is that they were amazing. The actual you know? cause of Roanoke Island history. We need to call up some historians <laughs> because I think I think you've just unlocked something here. You've unlocked the key. Same. Just saying. And honestly. I would not put it past, uh, I think, was it a gaggle of turkeys, maybe? I don't know. I know it's a a gaggle of geese, I think, whatever. A mob, a gang (laughs) of turkeys to to frame this shit on witches. (laughs) Yeah, they've been put, again, he was literally trying to put the blame on the pilgrims or the Native American in this episode. Exactly. He knew. They, like, monitor human activity and stuff to know who the... uh, they're like the political geniuses (laughs) yeah we're on roanoke they're like these puritans we can tell really hate witches let's carve some symbols in that tree turkeys are the cia of the animal kingdom (laughs) (laughs) right they've infiltrated every aspect i mean why do you think they're walking around dc just saying man they fucking know you know the uh, uh, internet meme slash conspiracy that um, birds are fake and are just cameras. Yeah, they're just minions of the turkeys. Turkeys of are the, the only turkeys. actual birds. Every other bird is like a drone or a camera created by the turkey. <laughs> this From... is why a turkey gets pardoned every year by the White House <laughs> by the president. They fucking know. They know the president's like no 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 please. Please, we'll, sorry, I'm sorry. Sorry, we'll pardon. We'll pardon you. Yeah, I'm sorry. I swear. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Damn. And the turkeys that we much. eat on Thanksgiving are the ones that went rogue from the turkey <laughs> order. So that's like their death sentence. I mean, again, just like America, <laughs> the turkeys are like, you win some, you lose some. You got to make some sacrifices. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They were weak. <laughs> <laughs> 
Because <laughs> we're weak. Yeah, they're fucking, yes. like you said earlier, savage. These fucking turkeys. I When I was writing this script, I was running out of like descriptive words to use to describe like vicious, savage, <laughs> cunning, devious, mischievous, evil. evil. I was like, I, I, can't think of, I should have had the source.com up. Yeah. I was like, how many more of these words can I use? <laughs> you know? Damn, I hope the turkeys don't hear this episode in my neighborhood. Yeah, I know. Oh, sorry, You'll never I'm hear from me again. Them. This is why. Yeah. Or maybe me either. Now that I know they can hop over fences. I guess, thank, thank God, God they moving. haven't yet. Mm, Get out of there. Not even closer into the city. Yeah. You never know. Some problems, if so. Wow, incredible work! That was a whirlwind of an episode. Thank you. Yes, all all credit to Hanna Barbera. Yeah, it's it's amazing, and yeah, it's it's Internet Archive. I put the link in our um, episode tracker, so you can you can watch on there because yeah. Well, I guess it might be on Boomerang or something too. I don't know. Do you still have it? I haven't even. I didn't check, but yeah, free trial. I did that one. Time. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> free trial. And then you're out. <laughs> I love my life. <laughs> nice. So wow, anyway, work. yes. Thank you. That was fun. A lot of history of animation going on there. And uh, we're fully into our Thanksgiving arc now. Yep. So can't wait to hear what episode you are going to do next week. And until then, uh, who should they tell about this podcast? Um, you know, we talked a lot about uh, our neighborhoods in this episode, so I think you mm-hmm. should tell your neighbor. I think we've nice. done that before, but in like weird ways of like breaking into your neighbor's house and stuff. Don't do that this time. <laughs> don't do that. Just, yeah. Like tell your neighbor nicely. Uh, yeah. Especially, you know, did you move somewhere new? Get to know your new neighbor. Mention exactly. this. Uh, yeah. In, in the spirit of Thanksgiving. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I know so it's the holidays. Tell your yeah. Who else should they tell? Um, I think you should tell, I guess, again, in the spirit of Thanksgiving, a lot of folks do like Friendsgiving things this mm-hmm. time of year, or like early Thanksgiving meals with family. If, if you're lucky enough to be doing that, then tell the folks at your Friendsgiving nice. for your uh, early Thanksgiving feast. Although, Excellent. how have you not told them already? If you're listening to yeah, this, but you guys really tell them that? again. Yeah, right. Come on. Mm. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, remind them, maybe is what yes. we should say. Exactly. Put on this episode, you know, yeah, and, and some of our others too. Exactly. And all of them. All perfect. Of them. Start from the beginning, the very yeah. beginning, episode one, and keep it running. Don't let people leave your Friendsgiving until you get there every single really episode. long Thanksgiving, and you're welcome. <laughs> it's like they're there until New Year's. Like, please let us leave. Please I haven't go. seen my children in three months. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. Uh huh. <laughs> Amazing. Well, we'll see y'all next week. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to Saturday Morning Mysteries. If you enjoyed this episode, please share, rate, review, leave us a like, and drop a comment. We post episodes every Saturday and bonus tune tangents whenever we feel like it. So please subscribe so you don't miss the shenanigans. And if you want to follow us on YouTube, click the bell under the YouTube subscribe button to receive notifications when new videos are posted. And if you want to subscribe to the podcast, we have no idea what you're listening to us on. So just hit the big subscribe button on whatever app you're using. We we believe in you. Give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at SatmorneMist, all the abreeds. And let us know if you have any episode or show requests by emailing SaturdayMorningMysteries at gmail.com. Thanks to Jenna Kendall for the logo design and to Ava Sakiki for the music used during this week's episode. See y'all groovy kids next week on Saturday Morning Mysteries.